1: It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in short grass for the hackers, new sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff.
2: Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's gonna be better than today.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM 860, The Answer in Portland and the Golf News Network, which, by the way, we have a 24-7 Golf uh, News Network channel on iHeart, on on their podcast programs now. So you can find that if you go to Golf News Network. We'd like to thank the folks at um, Painted Hills Natural Beef, as usual, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Birdie Ball. Uh, Birdie Ball was rated one of the the top – training aids for golfers, uh, since I think the year 2000. So it's been around a while. It does good. Anyway, more fun today though. Uh, if you ever wondered what it was like to be a tour caddy and especially on the senior tour, well, we've got your answers today. We've got Larry molestic here with us. He's got a new book out called golf road. Uh, it's golf road my time with the masters of the game and Larry's had quite a life with that. He hasn't caddied for a while now, but there's some great stories in this book. I think you'll enjoy them. Larry, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. No problem.
0: As I was telling you on the phone, I'm always on the lookout for new golf books. I don't know how many golf books I have now, probably a couple hundred. I I couldn't tell you, but when I saw yours, I looked at it, and then I was kind of scrolling through some other stuff, and I I scrolled back to yours and went, that looks really interesting. So I ordered it, I read it, and hence, here you are. Um, First of all, what prompted you to write Golf Road?
2: Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, I I knew I was sitting on top of a great golf story. Um, I was really fortunate to be embedded in golf during a really, frankly, extraordinary period in the game, Uh, both on the European PGA Tour back in the mid-'80s and on the what we call the senile PGA Tour back in the uh, <laughs> later 80s and the 90s. And I just, I, I knew I was sitting on a great story, a, a great golf story.
0: Well, it you did, and you lived through it, and you managed it. And uh, I don't know you, but I'm proud of you, because uh, having spent a few times bouncing around the world, I know how tough it can be. When you started, you, you'd not really had too much experience with golf. Uh, and then very shortly, you find yourself over in Europe, uh, living in a tent like a vagabond with a group of gypsies. Some great stories there. Tell us how you made that transition.
2: Well, actually, I did have some experience in the game, Jeff, in that I grew up caddying at North Shore Country Club in Glenview, Illinois, uh-huh. and um, you know those were what I call my caddy shack days. Um, I'd like to think that my book encompasses four different phases in my life, the Caddyshack era, the European PJ Tour era, the C- senior PJ Tour era, and then my transition out of the game. So I did have some experience and my life was altered when I met a Glaswegian from, uh, obviously from Glasgow, and he was packing for Greg Norman at that time. Now this is before Greg Norman was the the great white shark. He was just Greg Norman, this up and coming, uh, painfully talented golfer. And uh, Scotty Scottie Gilmore altered the course of my life, took me under his wing, and um I started catting out here in the in the California desert with he and his stepsons. And then um, they worked on the European PGA tour in the summer months. So we had the best of both worlds, Jeff. We were spending our winters in the California desert and then uh, summers on the European PJ tour
0: uh, that that sounds like a heavenly life actually I know it's not but it it sounds like that to have like you said the best of both worlds what do you think Larry was your biggest um, check mark on the learning curve when you picked up a bag on the tour for the first time
2: <laughs> Wow. That's, that's such a great question. Um, just, just realizing that, you know, what I was in the big leagues, um, you know, when, when I was canning at North shore cat for some chop, you know, who was going to have trouble breaking a hundred. Right. Um, it, it was, you know, you could really, uh, guesstimate the gar- yardage and what have you. But, you know, when I went to cat the European PJ tour, it's funny. I mean, even, even on the, on the pro tour in the eighties in Europe, Jeff, Everything was pretty antiquated. Nobody was carrying yardage books. Um, a lot of the old timers were still eyeballing yardage. Um, a lot of these golf courses didn't even have uh, yardage monumentation in the way of sprinkler heads. Mm-hmm. So the, the European PGA <clears throat> tour officials used to just, they would paint an orange, uh, sorry, a red and a yellow circle in the middle of the fairway. Uh, one of them close to the 200-yard mark and one of them close to the 150 mark. So um, <laughs> it was it was pretty rudimentary. And, um, you know, I really experienced the evolution of caddying at the grassroots level. So when, when I realized that I was, in fact, in the big leagues and that these players wanted to know pretty close to exactly how far they were to the hole, you know, I, I didn't know what a pin sheet was prior to catting on the European PGA tour where they would tell you exactly for, you know, you wanted to know Jeff how far you were from where you were in the fairway to the front of the green. And, and then you had a pin sheet that told you how far the flag was on and where it was located.
0: That almost sounds like top, top golf, you know, big circles out there.
2: Yeah. There we go. There yeah. we go. Amen. You know, it really was. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, that's really interesting. So in, in the book, you talk about, um Norman you talk about uh Bruce Crampton you talk about Chi Chi you talk about uh Trevino you talk about Gary Player you had experiences with all those people was it when you went to work with Bruce that you really got your education so to speak
2: you know you 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 got the gist of my my, my chapter on Bruce it was a hard chapter to write you know Bruce was a really misunderstood guy, but I give him a lot of credit, man. He, he turned me into one hell of a caddy. And it was funny because when I picked up Gervino's bag, he asked me, he said, Larry, let me ask you one thing. I said, what's that, Lee? He said, how long did you caddy for Crampton? I said, three years. He says, well, I'm pretty sure if you could handle him for three years, you can handle me for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, it, you know, Bruce, I, like I said, I give him a lot of credit. He was all business on the golf course. There was not a lot of um, messing around going on. He he ran a very tight ship, but I give him a lot of credit for that. He really gave me the confidence to know that I, I could work for anybody after working for Bruce.
0: You you mentioned something about running a tight ship and, and understanding that. How long did it take you to develop a thick skin? Because, you know, there's a million stories out there, Larry, about, the abuse that caddies suffer. uh, I've actually seen it firsthand. I've not been a caddy, but I photographed enough tournaments to see when a player hits a bad shot. Ultimately it's the caddy's fault. Uh, It's, it's not the player most of the time. And there's a, you know, they deflect. We all do that. It's a natural instinct, but you know, if it was supposed to be, you know, draw it in there with a, you know, five yard draw and just lay it up there soft and, and they run over the green and back into the swamp. It's your fault. So,
2: Amen, amen Jeff, you know, if you're going to caddy on any professional tour, I've always said you better have a chrome plate at heart, man. Um, now, some of the players are a lot easier than the others. Um, from what I understand, Nick Price was one of the, one of the most awesome guys you could work for. But, um, you know, it's funny even now as little golf as I watch on TV, every so often you'll, you'll see a player chewing on a caddy. And um, I will tell you, you know, Cheech, I worked for Cheech Rodriguez for four years. Uh, Three years, there there were two different stints, a three-year stint and then uh, a a one-year stint. And, um, you know, Cheech is a wonderful guy and I experienced some unbelievable golf and some unbelievable humanitarianism, but I had my hands full on the golf course with him. And I remember his manager would call me, we'd have a chance to win the tournament, and it didn't turn out. And Monday morning, I get a call from Chi-Chi's office from his manager, you know, asking me, Larry, what happened out there yesterday? I said, Eddie, I didn't. I didn't make one bogey last week. You know, I, I, when <laughs> Chi-Chi's playing great, I'm. I'm not trying to take credit for his good play, and I'm. I'm not going to take credit for his bad. Um, so you know, it really depends on who you're working for and how much help they want, and how much flack you're going to get when things don't go right. Um, You know, it's it's um, it it can get pretty interesting out there. I'll tell you that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, We're going to take a a break here on Grilling at the Green. We're going to be back with uh, Larry Molestic, whose new book, Golf Road, my time with the Masters of the Game. And he was there uh, when things were getting good. So we're going to be back with Larry right after this here on Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Uh, If you'd like to email us, it's very simple. Just go info at net, Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all those and send us a message. It's pretty easy to do that uh we've got larry Malesic here with us today his new book golf road it's a self-published book but you can find it on amazon and some of the bookstores i think in that and it's a great it's a great read i'm just going to put it that way and I, um, I don't overly endorse books but this one i would recommend because there's great stories in it was chichi the most generous uh pro you work for
2: yeah, he was. Cheech was amazing. Cheech was, you know, that question gives me goosebumps. I, I saw, I saw Cheechy do some really incredible things. You know, Cheechy would send me to the finance office to get some operating capital, and I'd, I'd get uh, three thousand dollars cash for him. And lo and behold, the next day we'd be playing in the pro am. Jeff, he, he'd be, he'd be handing that money out discreetly to the to the workers on the golf course or, or to anybody um it, it was really incredible i it, you know here's a great story there was there was a a girl a young woman who uh she was a young girl i think she was about 13 or 14 years old i've i've long wondered whatever happened to her but she loved Teacher rodriguez and she begged her father to 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 bring her to the golf course and uh, to the golf tournament in the desert we were playing at PJ West so they showed up and she got to meet her idol, Chichi Rodriguez. Well, Chichi found out that they were sleeping in their car. And he had his pilot get them a room at the, at the uh, La Quinta resort, which is not cheap. He told them to put all their meals on the room. And then he had me take her into the pro shop at, at PJ West and buy her $500 worth of clothing. And um, it was things like that that I got to witness that were really, really incredible. Chi-Chi, really a selfless guy. Uh, one of the first weeks I worked for him, he, he ended up, uh, actually, no, it's not true. I was on Crampton's bag, and Chi-Chi beat us. And he donated the winner's share of the purse. He, he donated his check to a, uh, a town that had been ravaged by a tornado two weeks prior. Wow. So um, really an incredible guy.
0: How do you balance that though, Larry? I mean, here you've got a somebody that's doing all these great, kind of very, you know, personable and you know giving things on one hand, and then the other hand, it's your fault his uh, chip shot rolled in the drink. how How do you, how do you balance that? That would hey, be tough you- for me.
2: You just, you, Jeff, if you want to be a tour caddy, you just have to. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line, you know. Uh, one of his friends one time, I'll never forget, he said to me, uh, Cheech was, he was all over me one round. We were playing at Country Club of the South in Alfredo, Georgia. And um, things weren't going well. And, um, and you know, I was, the, I, I was bearing the brunt of the, uh, of the situation. And Cheech's buddy said to me after the round, he said, Larry, I, I love Cheechy. He's my friend. But I got to tell you, man, I, I wouldn't take that from anybody. And you know what I told him? I said, then you wouldn't be a tour caddy very long, Mike.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It it's, I mean, I've had other caddies on the show and a lot of them, because we cover the LPGA a lot. <clears throat> um, you know, they tell me about their experiences and, and this and that, and that's fun. But we, yours, because these are the guys I grew up with. These are the guys I watched on television when I was a kid, you know? Uh, You knew about Chi Chi and you knew about uh, Trevino and Crampton and all those guys. Who was the biggest pain in the butt you worked for? If you don't mind me just kind of blurting that out like that.
2: That, that, That'd be Bruce. That'd definitely be Bruce. Yeah. You know, Bruce, Bruce was the uh, precursor to Scott Hoke. From what I understand Scott Hoke wasn't real like amongst his, amongst his peers and, um, you know, Bruce was he wasn't real liked by his peers, but again, he was just all business on the course. And but um, you know, some of the stuff that I caught flack for from Bruce, I mean I I got bitched out once because I whistled on the golf course. And um he 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 that really bothered him. He, he told me that it it, it told him that I didn't have a worry in the world. And and uh, believe me, I I I wanted to tell him, Oh, I got I got a worry, I got a big worry, I got a I got to put up with you every day.
0: Yeah. I got a five foot 11, you know, 201 pound worry right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Bruce, Bruce was definitely, yeah, he was the, he was the hardest. Um, but I will tell you, you know, Cheech, Cheech could get a little rough, but, but Cheech even admitted to me, he, he had even told me um, that, you know, he gave me a lot of flack for stuff that had nothing to do with me. Um, I, I will tell you one of the, one of the most interesting relationships I saw in the golf course was, was Lee Trevino and Herman Mitchell. I mean, Lee loved Herman like a, like a brother and he took great care of him, but Herman talked Lee into the wrong club on a, on a par three where I was packing for, for Gary and we were paired with Lee and Jack. How about that for a threesome? Oh, there you and go. Herman talked Lee into the, into the wrong club on a par three and Lee blew it over the green. And the cops had just, you know, had uh, they had basically just beat up Rodney King in L.A. And and Lee got in Herman's face and told him, do you see what those cops did to that Rodney King in L.A.? And Herman said, yeah, what about it? And he said, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do to you if you don't get the right club in my hands. And, you know, he, I know he was just kidding, but uh, that was a really interesting converse, uh, uh, conversation to to witness. and that relationship was really, really interesting They <laughs> Lee used to mess with Herman, something fierce. It sounds like Lee messed with everybody. He did. He did. He really did. Um, we were paired with, um, I was again, catting for player and we were paired with Lee and, um, Scottsdale. And there was a big rattlesnake on the back of the tee box. And, um, Herman was terrified of this snake and, you know, Lee kept telling him, Don't worry about that snake, Herman, she ain't gonna do nothing to you. And Herman just, he was hyper focused on the snake. Well, in a in a moment when Herman's uh attention was diverted, Lee snuck up behind him, he he whispered in my ear, watch this. And he grabbed one of Gary's golf, uh, irons out of the bag and he snuck up behind Herman and he tapped on his ankle. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> if you I saw 350 pounds get airborne. <laughs> and as soon as he hit the ground man he the uh, oh he was like mussolini from the from the balcony he, the expletives were flying man
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee,
2: lee, lee loved it you know i mean you look at the a la the uh the snake story you know with jack oh yeah you know
0: <clears throat> absolutely we're gonna take another break we're gonna be back with uh former tour caddy who finally uh realized there was uh more to life than sleeping in a tent. I say that in jest uh, here on Grilling at the Green with uh, Larry in right after this. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling It's Green. I'm JT. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com because you can buy directly from them in some of the gift boxes and stuff. If not, uh, you can go to the website, find the store locator, see if there's a store near you that carries it. And also Birdie Ball. John Breaker and his family back in Colorado developed Birdie Ball, oh, 20 years ago, and it's still rolling in there getting bigger and it's a great practice unit um just check them out online at birdieball.com and again real quick if you want to email us just info at grilling at the green.net we're talking with larry molestick here today larry's new book out called golf road uh the masters of the game his time with them and uh it's a great book if you grew up watching trevino and nicholas and rodriguez and bruce crampton and the shark and all this there's stories about all of them in this book. What's the one thing, Larry? After all your years on the on caddying, what's the one thing that sticks out the most in your mind?
2: Um, I, I would just say, health. You mean the one instance or like yeah. overall message?
0: Uh, no. Is there one thing? Was there was there one incident, instance, whatever you want to call it, that you went, wow, and that really? You know, turned on the light in your head, saying, "This is where I'm supposed to be right now," or maybe it's like, "I gotta get out of here."
2: Not you know, it's funny, Jeff. It, there's not just one because there's so many. I mean, I'm so reminded of how lucky I was to be embedded in golf. I mean, you know, you, you see like uh, that the montage of of, um, of you know golf uh, events, and there's the one of Sevi Ballesteros in '84 at St. Andrews when he's fist pumping and looking directly at the camera smiling with that boyish grin and right after he sunk that putt at 18 for one of the most memorable finishes in in open history jeff i was 70 feet away from him on the steps of their rna clubhouse um you you know and then you see like a rolex commercial and there's footage of jack arnold and, and gary walking up the fairway together black and white footage and i think wow that's that's crazy i mean that's my former boss and two gentlemen i spent a heck of a lot of time around. I mean, I'm reminded constantly of things that occurred that I was so fortunate to witness. So there's there's not just one thing. There's just a collaboration of things that that I'm you know, I'm fortunate enough to experience pretty pretty regularly. Um, and unfortunately, there's there are so many young players that you know, Jeff, they, they they don't know who any of these guys are. I I played with a guy, probably a young man, probably. Eight months ago, he didn't know who Chichi Rodriguez was. Yeah, and and you know that's fine. I get that, but it's you know it's interesting to me. I just saw something recently, Jeff. You're familiar with the band Devo, remember oh, yeah. Devo? Oh sure. You know who's on the cover of the Devo album, the first one? I don't remember Chichi Rodriguez. Oh, is he? <laughs> and there was a there was a podcast about the whole story behind this. Well, I knew the story. Chichi had told me about it, so. You know, again, I'm constantly reminded of things um, from my past and how lucky I was.
0: One story I'd like you to relate to our listeners is how you and the Wiz and those guys snuck into the clubhouse to get showers over at the British Open. Because um, you're not supposed to be in there. You know, they don't even let some of their own members in there some days, I think, depending on how they feel, the guy at the door. But, But you guys... We're obviously needing some showers and a little warm water and soap and they kicked you out but you finally made it in
2: well Jeff I, t- I tell you what's funny you know we we were so I'm counting on the European tour and we're you know we it slowly dawned on us I mean there was such meager money in European tour golf much less any tour golf at the time and we finally came to the conclusion the only way we're going to be able to make this work is if we you know as if we basically buy pup tents and stay on the practice pitches. Now, you'll notice I didn't say driving ranges because they didn't have driving ranges. The pros had their own balls, their own shag bags, and we right. had to go out and shag. And so, you know, it was, um, we started sleeping in these tents on the driving ranges. And it, it really, it, it, it killed two birds with one stone because we we had digs, we had a place to lay our heads, but we also, transportation was was non-existent because we were there at the course. So, um, you know, it, it really, uh, again, it killed two birds with one stone. But the one thing, Jeff, we didn't take into account was the hygienic needs, <laughs> our <laughs> hygienic needs. And um, so, you know, it's it, some of the tournaments. I remember there in, in Glasgow, we played at Hags Castle and there was a rugby uh, pitch and there was a rugby club right there next to the golf course. And they let us stay on the rugby pitch. And then there were showers for the rugby club. So some of the weeks was were pretty good, where you know we we had a place to shower. But you know, uh, per per your you know your uh, bringing up the the British Open, it was eighty eighty five at Royal St George's, and um, you know Wiz and I needed a shower. It was early in the week, and you know we 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 tried to just walk right past the R and A guard, and he wasn't having any of it. So we snuck around the back, and we snuck in a window, and and showered. And uh, he chased us out of there, you know, when he saw us coming through the clubhouse. And uh, so it was, um, you know, there there was some other things, too. You know, as a, I've long said that, you know, as a single man, you, you got to have some game to get a, a female back to your uh, back to your hotel room. Try to get one back to a tent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're talking rodeo now, buddy.
2: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you got to have some game.
0: Yeah, you do you do. Um how did you guys did you all just like go to this grocery store? Or did you send a couple of guys who volunteered and you pooled your money and how did you eat? Because I know now they have places uh, some of the tourna- tournaments I've worked at so if they have a a, a caddy tent. Uh, you can call it a caddy shack if you want, but it's really a caddy tent and they have you know like breakfast burritos or pastries in the morning and you come back and they'll have pizza or subway sandwiches or something for them. So there's access to food. Uh, but it wasn't quite like that in those days.
2: No, it was not, you know, we were, there was nothing, Jeff, there was, there was nothing. We, we were supplied, nothing. Very few of the tournaments had anything for us. Um, you know, it, it's just the way it was. Um, uh, as far as dining, the majority of it was done, uh, at least after the rounds, you know, there was always a a pub of choice or a restaurant sure. of choice where we would, where we would go. Now, in Gulf Road, I talk about how there was, um, there was a couple that had a little travel trailer that they used to drag behind their, their Rover. And uh, they, Sheila used to make uh, tea and toast for us in the morning and. Um, she'd make us a little lunch or a sandwich and then possibly something at night. But, um, as far as the tournaments go, no, we, we, uh, we weren't really recognized, uh, and, and we weren't supplied anything. That's
0: a long way from there to where the caddies are today. What do you think changed? Was it just the amount of money they were playing for? Or did the caddies rally, you know, here and there and say, Hey, we've got to be treated better.
2: I think it's a combination of both of those. I think yeah. that the the profession has evolved and that there is more money involved. But I, I think that they just, you know, when when you look at some of the the older caddies that were working on the European tour when I was over there, I mean, there there was a rough bunch of guys. And these guys now are, you know, heck, they've, they've got, I, I had a clothing contract, even uh, working for Chi Chi. You know, I was sponsored by Toyota. And I, I know some of these guys. I, Steve Williams, I think, had a deal with Valvoline. He had it on his sleeve. I, You know, it's, it's, it's evolved, Jeff. It's evolved uh, big time.
0: Well, yeah, and, and uh, well, you look at him now, like Bones went to work for uh, Golf Channel and NBC. Now he went back to work, stopped that, went back to work for Justin Thomas. But, uh, you know, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have dreamt of having a caddy talking on live television.
2: You know no, what not, might not come a, out of their mouth, there <laughs> we go. Not without some serious censorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Believe me, Jeff, I'm biting my tongue right now.
0: I bet. I bet
2: well, it's i'm I'm
0: glad to see it. of all the caddies I've hung around and talked to over the years, they've all been really pretty good guys, you know, and uh, some gals are doing it now too. and and you know, I think it's a very interesting experience, but it's was pretty rough back then.
2: Yeah, no, it sure was. And um and Jeff, it's become so competitive now. Even with, you know, I'm obviously I'm what uh, what am I uh 25 years removed from the game, mm-hmm. even with my stellar resume, I Jeff, I'd have no shot of getting a bag unless I knew somebody. Right. I mean, I'd have to I would have to have an inside track with a player to get a bag now. It has become so... So competitive because the money is so big
0: yeah it is it is huge out there now uh we're going to take another break we're going to be back with uh, larry molestic and his new book here golf road is time with the masters of the game right after this on grilling at the green please stay with us hi everybody it's jt and this is a special version of grilling at the green Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here. We are based in Portland, AM 860, but we are worldwide. I love saying that, you know, it just... uh, Something I like to say. We're talking with Larry Molestic today, uh, but first we're going to hear from Bruce Furman and his golf tip of the week.
1: Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms, and my tip today is trying to give you some advice on how to get a little more power. And pretty much everybody comes to me when they, uh, they're they taking a lesson and they tell me they want to hit it farther. I, I have yet to hear someone say, I'm just hitting it too far, you know, and so uh, how do you hit more power? Well, there's a few different ways you can get a, go about it. Uh, probably the easiest thing is just to develop a more efficient swing where you're hitting the sweet spot consi- consistently. So if you can hit the sweet spot and you can hit slightly up on the ball with your driver, you're going to get the maximum distance you can get out of that golf club. And you should have the driver fit so that, that you have the right launch angles and the right spin rates, and that, that'll that help you get more distance. And one thing also just talking about, you know, the golf swing itself, a wider back swing potentially has more power. So when you start your your club back, sometimes people think they're supposed to fold their right elbow into their side. And you really aren't supposed to do that. You want to let your right arm float and go off your side and not fold it in. And if you do that, you're going to have a wider backswing and a wider backswing can, can help you get more power and uh you'll hit it long and straight right down the middle well hopefully you will but you will get more power if you have a little wider backswing so i hope that helps you
0: thank you bruce we appreciate that you can check out bruce uh online at langdonfarms.com he's the lead uh the director of instruction there i should say you just go to instruction click down you'll see him there and it talks all about their programs here in the portland area so um we thank Bruce for that. Now we'll get back to Larry Molestic here. And I'm talking about his book, Golf Road, which I say, I do recommend this book. It's a great read. Was there one story in the book that you really meant the most to you?
2: I got to tell you a great question. And I would I would say probably my really my preeminent story. You know, we were talking earlier about is there one memory or one instance that really sticks out? And I have so many memories and in instances. I would say my preeminent story, though, is the one about Chi Chi Rodriguez and the wheelbarrow full of money when he won the tournament there at the DI and they brought the wheelbarrow full of silver dollars out on the 18th green. And, you know, and the cameras around him as he's running his fingers through the coins. And I wrote in Golf Road that I was, you know, standing off the the side of the 18th green witnessing this, thinking he looked like a pirate that just dug up buried treasure. You know, all he needed was a parrot and an earring. (laughs) So we go back to his his suite at the desert end to celebrate the the win, you know, because yeah. you don't win every week. And Cheech turned me on to Johnny Walker Blue. Now, I didn't even know Blue ex- existed, but um, his <laughs> pilot went out and and grabbed, uh, I think it was a half dozen bottles uh, of Blue. And so we were celebrating the win and Cheech got a call, took it in the other room because, you know, this is 91. We didn't have cell phones. Right. And when he came back into that room, he, he you know, he, he, you thought that he would have found out somebody shot his favorite dog. He got some bad, some kind of news. So we turned the, the Puerto Rican music down and um, all eyes on Chi-Chi. And his wife asked him, Juan, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. She, she asked him again, is everybody okay? And he said, yeah, everybody's fine. That was my sister Rosa. And she reminded me of, about a story that I totally forgot about. And she said, What's, what story is that? And he said, when I was a poor boy growing up in Puerto Rico, I had a recurring dream. I dreamt that I had a wheelbarrow full of money. And every time I told my sister Rosa about that dream, she would tell me, Juan, you gotta stop torturing yourself. You're poor, you're always gonna be poor. You need to put that dream out of your mind. And 45 years later, she flipped on her TV set and what did she see?
0: wheelbarrow and, full of money.
2: You know, when her brother with a wheelbarrow full of money. And, it, you know, I'm I'm a pretty clever guy, Jeff, but I, I couldn't make that story up. I got to witness that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was very, very touching. Um, Larry's going to stick around for after hours, and I guarantee you it will be fun but the name of the book is golf road. My time with the masters of the game by Lawrence uh, now formally, this is so people know who you are, Larry Lawrence Molestic. There's a picture of him with Gary Caddy with Gary players, bib on, uh, right there on the front. And Larry, it's been great to talk to you. I, uh, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff.
2: Well, my pleasure, Jeff, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. And, uh, I'd, I'd love to come back anytime you you give me a buzz uh you've got it brother uh we will be back
0: next week with another edition uh um, here on the radio version of uh of grilling at the green and don't forget like i said larry's going to stick around for after hours which you can get on the podcast version so until then everybody take care be happy and be kind
1: grilling at the green is produced by jtsd productions llc in association with salem media group all rights reserved and remember the key to lower scores a pencil with an eraser see you next week